following message is from the audio ministry of Coastal Community Church. We trust you'll find it helpful and encouraging. Now, here's Pastor Chris Rollins. Good morning, I'm Pastor Chris. Uh, glad to have you with us today on this time change weekend. Uh, it's supposed to be a beautiful day today. It's supposed to get up to 74 degrees. Hope you've already enjoyed uh, your weekend here in Charleston. Spring is coming. It's coming. I don't know if we're quite there yet, but we're, we're getting close. Um, hey, a couple of other things I want to bring to your attention. Um, man, we've had uh, several baptisms in the last couple of weeks, and uh, I think a great you know, opportunity to get baptized will be uh, Easter weekend. And if you're interested in uh, joining with us in one of those four services uh, to get baptized, what a, what a memorable uh, occasion to possibly get baptized over Easter weekend. And so you can indicate that uh, on your Connect card. And uh, it's, uh, I would like to be baptized during an Easter service, and you can just pick uh, the day and the, and the service time, and uh, we'd love to connect with you about that. Hey, also, um, and we've been announcing this for a little while now, uh, Pastor Scott and I are actually planning a trip to Israel in November uh, to the Holy Land. It's going to be a trip of a lifetime. I've actually uh, been to Israel once. It was a long, long time ago. I was a teenager, and uh, Scott's been several times, and uh, so we're going with uh, another pastor friend of mine, and uh, we'd love to take you. Uh, we'd love for you to go. So if you have any questions about that trip, uh, indicate on your Connect card, and uh, Scott will follow up with you. And uh, it's uh, sometime in November. Scott, like 10 days, a 10-day trip, I think, something like that. I'm going for about six months, I think. But uh, <laughs> anyway, okay. Um, so uh, pull out your sermon outline this morning. If you're taking notes, you're watching online, we're glad to have you again with us today. Um, I realize that anytime a church uh, talks about money, uh, especially giving, and uh, that really is the topic uh, for today. Um, it can be a kind of a, a touchy thing, kind of, uh, you know, touch and go and, uh, for some of you. And uh, m- maybe you're here today and uh, it, it's your first time at Coastal. Or you're here and you're really not even a follower of Jesus yet. And you're thinking to yourself, oh, great, you know, I knew it. I, you know, I come to church and you're talking about money. That's all they probably talk about. And uh, that's all the church wants after all is your what? Your money, okay, so um, I'll address that here in just a moment, but let me, let me say I actually believe uh, that it's a great day for you to be here today, and uh, this has been a great series. I mean, um, can we all just admit, and we've, we've looked at this, but I don't even think we have, to, I don't have to give you statistics, can we all just admit that, you know, the world's way of handling finances and money um, just does not work, and is not working. Our, our country is in a mess. And uh, the truth is, uh, my guess, many of you are in some sort of financial mess. And so what we've done in this series over the last several weeks, and uh, we've, we've covered a lot of things, a lot of ground. Um, we've been looking at how God wants to uh, take your financial frustration and replace it with financial uh, freedom. And uh, we've talked about how to break the bonds of materialism, how to live with an, an open hand, not a closed fist, how to get out of debt. Um, how to make good financial decisions. Again, we've covered a lot. So today, we are going to talk about giving. And uh, I want to challenge you and encourage you uh, to have an open mind and an open heart about what God might want to communicate to you. Because again, the world's way hasn't worked. And if we want true financial freedom, um, it's time for a new way of thinking, a new way of doing things. And uh, let me give you a new way, God's way, in a nutshell. Uh, God owns everything. Okay, he does. He owns it all. He is the owner, and we simply are the managers. Everything that that you have, you know, your home, your cars, your food, uh, your gifts, your talents, your calendar, and yes, your money, 
Uh, it is all on loan from God. And uh, you're just the manager of it. And one day, we will all stand before God and give an account for two things. One is, what did you do with Jesus? What did you do with him? And then if you get that right, which is you asked him by faith to come into your life, forgive you of your sin, and to be your Savior and to be your Lord, then the next question is, well, what then did you do with everything else that I gave you? You know, did you use it, all of the resources? Did you use them and leverage them for the kingdom? And you see, if we don't learn to handle our resources the way God intends, we will never be able to live the life that God created us to live. So how do we get there? Well, I'm a big proponent of taking next steps. And I think that's how we get there. You know, most of life, if you think about, really is um, about uh, taking next steps, right? You know, if you're, if you're gonna grow and learn and develop uh, in any area of life, you know, whether you're a, a, an infant and you're learning to walk or you're an adult and you're trying to get healthy or work out or maybe you're learning a foreign language, again, what, or growing financially, okay? Whatever it is, whatever it might be, you've gotta go through stages, and you got to learn to take next steps. And so today, I want to talk to you about the steps you have to take, the stages that you go through uh, to honor God with your finances. And again, all throughout this series, we've talked about what is your next step to take with your finances. Now, and we're going to do that by looking at something uh, that's there on your outline called the generosity ladder. Again, taking, talking about taking next steps. So the generosity ladder is really just a tool to help you visualize that, to help you think through this idea of taking next steps in your journey toward financial freedom. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 7. Listen to this. But just as you excel in everything, okay, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, and complete earnestness, and in your love for us, See that, also, see that you also excel in this grace of what? What does he say? In giving. Now, you might be thinking to yourself, so, you know, Pastor Chris, why are we talking about generosity? You know, why are we talking about giving? Well, the reality is Paul, uh, the Apostle Paul lays it out for us right here in Scripture. He, he puts growing in your giving as, uh, in the same category as growing in your faith, growing in biblical knowledge, even in your love for other people. In other words, Paul, what Paul is saying here is, when it comes to your spiritual growth, growing up, becoming more and more like Jesus, developing the habit of generosity is just as important to your spiritual growth as Bible study, prayer, attending church, being in community. Jesus said the exact same thing. In Matthew 6.21, we've looked at this verse a lot uh, in this series. Matthew 6.21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, it's where you spend your money, where you spend your resources, that determines where your heart's going to go. Now think about, this, think about it this way for a second. Let's say that you're invested in the stock market, and you've got a lot of money uh, put into a certain company. My, bet is, my guess is you're going to know an awful lot about that stock and that particular company. You know, you'll be watching them, you'll be following them, you're seeing what they do, what kind of products they roll out, all that different kind of stuff. Why? Because your money is invested there. 
Now, I know I've, I've used this next illustration a lot over the years, but it, it's so perfect for this one, okay? So everybody knows that I'm a big Clemson fan. I've been a Clemson fan all my life. Well, there's a couple of families here who used to be Carolina fans, the Blumenstocks and the Spells, and, um, and so huge Carolina fans. And, uh, and, and then something happened. Their precious firstborn decided to go to Clemson. That's right. And I can remember I mean, both of them. I told both of them, listen, I'm just telling you, it's not going to be too long before all that garden black's coming off and you're going to be sporting, you know, purple and orange. And like, no, no, I don't, you know, we, I don't know. They're kind of iffy about it. Like, no, no, it's going to happen. Because Jesus said it, you know, <laughs> where, where your treasure is, there, oh, excuse me, yeah, where your treasure is, there your what's going to follow? Your heart. And I said, your treasure is going to be at Clemson. Okay, not only your firstborn, but your what? Your money. That's exactly right. And I was proven right. So um, your heart follows your money. Um, now let me address this thing because I know some of you are like, oh, I knew the you know all the, the church just wants your money. Listen to this. Ultimately, God does not want your money. He wants what it represents. Your heart. And that's the truth. That's a, that's a biblical principle straight from the mouth of Jesus. The reason your money is important because it represents your heart. And so what that means is this. If, if you want to make God a priority in your life, if you want to grow, if you want to love God more, you don't just do it by saying it. No, you, you make that a priority in your money and then your heart will draw closer to God. You see, so many times we think, well, okay, you know, I'm going to read my Bible, you know, I'm going to pray, I'm going to be in a life group, I'm going to grow spiritually, and then you're like, yeah, you know, I feel like I'm missing something. You know, I'm, I'm not as close to God as I, as I think I should be. And sometimes, sometimes one of the reasons is you are missing out on this habit right here of generosity. And let me tell you something, spiritually speaking, you will never be, never be where you should be with God when your heart is following your money somewhere else. And that's what Jesus said. And so today, what I want to talk about is moving up the generosity ladder and taking whatever next steps you might need to take. And ultimately moving toward the life of blessing that God wants us to live. Okay, so let's talk about next steps. Step number one, get started and give. Get started and give. And I know, you know, the, the first step, by the way, in developing any positive habit in your life uh, typically is the most difficult one. I mean, if you said, you know what, I'm going to get in shape, I'm going to develop this habit, you know, of working out, um, the hardest and most difficult step to take many times is that first day just getting up in the morning and getting your butt to the gym, right? Or, or going out and walking or jogging or exercising, it's just that taking that first step. And so if you want to develop the habit of giving, the habit of generosity, and you want to honor God with your finances, sometimes the most difficult step is just giving an offering for the very first time. So I want to challenge you today. You know, if, if you've never given before, if you haven't given recently, I want to challenge you to use the giving envelope in your bulletin today, to use the giving kiosk at the Welcome Center. If you're watching online, you can give online. You can text to give and just get started. The truth is, that will be half the battle. The reality is many of you come here and you enjoy and you receive, but you've never given. 
And your heart's not here. Because Jesus said that. Look at this next passage. Um, It says, now about the collection for God's people. It's talking about the offering. He says, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with his income. So here's the Apostle Paul. He said, hey, set aside some money each week and give to the church so that the church can make an impact in the world. You know, most people don't really even take the time to think through how the church actually exists. You know, how the church does what it does and all the things that it does in in the community, uh, uh, locally, globally. You know, some people just assume, well, you know, there's probably some big donor somewhere that makes all that possible. You know, Pastor Chris, I bet, won the lottery at some point or something. You know, we got some kind of secret trust fund. and And that money funds all the ministries of the church, pays all the bills. Listen to me. The reason our church is able to do all of the things that it does, here for you, for our community, for the world, it is because of the faithful, consistent, generous giving of the people of this church. Period. That's it. That's how you came in here today and, you know, we turned the lights on. You know, we have a staff. Uh, you enjoy the, whether it's cold or hot. Uh, we got the big fan moving, you know, keep the air circulating. Uh, some of you enjoyed coffee and donuts. And, uh, you know, we have a children's ministry. We have, we have a program for them. Everything, everything we do in the community, everything we do at Oakland, coffee and donuts we give away, you know, the impact we make uh, in, in Charleston and around the world, it's all done through the faithful, consistent, generous giving of our people period. But it's not just that they gave one time. It's the next step in the generosity ladder, the next rung on the ladder. Number two, they give consistently. They give consistently. They they take that next step. They move from being just, you know, one time or very periodic givers to being systematic givers, being regular givers. Go back to the passage there in 1 Corinthians. It said, uh, when did they give? It says, on the first day of every week in keeping with their income. In other words, they gave consistently based on how they got paid. Now for you, you know, that might be weekly, might be bi-weekly, monthly, you know, however you get paid. But it becomes, according to the Bible, a very consistent, regular habit. It's a part of worship. And so when we give to the church, we make it possible for the church to do God's will here in the world. But then secondly, again, where your money goes, that's where your heart follows. And so when we give consistently, when we give regularly, it begins to bind our heart to the body of Christ, to the church, and it makes us more compassionate and more passionate about the church, more involved, more invested. You know, you want to know one of the keys to happiness? Hebrews 13.5, it says this. Be obsessed with getting more stuff. Doesn't say that, does it? It says, don't be obsessed with getting more material things. Be satisfied with what you have. Learning to be content. And we've, we've hit that hard over this series with, with the things that God has given you. And, and then learning to be generous, right? Remember, learning to hold loosely. All the things that God has blessed you with. Living with an open hand instead of a closed fist. That's one of the keys to to happiness. So I want to challenge you today. You know, if, if you're here today and you are not a regular, consistent giver, take this next step. 
You know, move from being sporadic, move from being, you know, giving occasionally or one time to being systematic and say, you know what, I'm going to give consistently. I'm going to give according to how the Lord has given to me. But don't stay there. You got to take step number three, which is to move quickly to obedience. Move quickly to obedience. You know, again, initial giving, that's a great step. Consistent giving, you know, that, that's wonderful. But let me say something. You know, some of you are stuck there. And, and you need to understand that you are just on the, on the path. You, you are starting to become obedient. But I'm sure many of you have told your children this, partial obedience is still the same thing as disobedience. So what, what does it mean to be obedient in the area of generosity? Well, according to the Bible, obedience is bringing God the tithe. The tithe. Listen to this passage, Malachi 3, 8 through 10. Will a man rob God, yet you rob me? But you ask, well, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food for my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I don't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. Now, look at this verse. The first thing you notice is that God says you should bring the tithe to him. The tithe simply means giving God the first 10% of what he has blessed you with. Now, the second thing I want you to notice is that the Bible said to bring the tithe to God's storehouse so that there be food in his house. Now, in the Old Testament, this referred to the temple. That was a place of worship in the Old Testament. So the principle for us today is that you should bring your tithe to the local church where you are being fed spiritually. Now, the reality is most of you get a lot of food here physically as well. Um, but then this passage makes it clear that if we don't bring God the first 10% of what he has blessed us with, we are robbing him and we're living under a curse. Now, what does that mean? Well, the Bible teaches that everything, everything in life, everything good that you have, it all comes from God. Your health, your friends, your family, your talents, your time, your possessions, and yes, your money. It all comes from God. And God has given you those blessings in your life so that you and I can, can leverage it, leverage them during the short time that we're here on this earth to make an impact, to use them wisely for his kingdom. And the Bible says that at the end of your life, we're going to stand before God and we're going to give an account for how we used, how we invested, everything that he gave us. And so God says, well, listen, this is what I want. I want you to give back to me the first 10% that I've blessed you with, and I want you to learn to live on the 90%. Now, that sounds like a pretty good deal. I mean, I think about it, I think, you know what? God could have said, well, I want you to bring back the 90% that I've blessed you with, and I want you to learn to live on the 10%. But he didn't say that. He said, the first 10% of what I've I blessed you with, that doesn't belong to you. It belongs to me. And so I want you to bring it back to me, and I want you to learn to live on the, on the, on the 90. What he says is, if, if you keep the 10%, you are robbing God, and you're living under a curse. Now here's what the curse is. It is the absence of God's blessing. It's not a proactive thing where, you know, God is out to get you if you don't tithe. 
but it's a reactive thing where God is going to withhold certain blessings from you because you're choosing not to follow him. You're choosing not to tithe. Now, I want to ask you again, because the world's ways does not work. You know, do you want God's blessing with your finances? You know, I certainly do. Especially in this day when the economy is so out of control. I want God's blessing on my finances so I could get out from under a curse and honor God by giving him the tithe. And then notice this. God says, if you bring the whole tithe, I will open up the, the floodgates of heaven and I will bless you in an amazing, an amazing way. And then he says something else that is not said anywhere else in the entire Bible. He says, test me in this. I double dog dare you. And just, you know, see if I don't, you know, open the floodgates of heaven and bless your life. Listen, that that is a promise that God, God makes to us and he's making to you today. You know, test me and tithe and see if I don't bless your life. But I also want you to notice this. Tithing is not just about quantity. It's about quality. It's not just about proportion, it's about priority. We are to bring God the first 10%. Now, we do this all the time. We we rob God on the quality. We say we want God to be first in our life, but then we relegate him to the leftovers of our our life. You know, well, if I got anything left over, God, then I'll give it to you. And I, I get this question all the time. Well, you know, should I tithe on my gross income or on my net income? Should I tithe, you know, before or after taxes? And my response is always, well, that depends. Do you want God to bless your gross income or your net income? And the truth is, listen to me, a tithe is the first 10%. You say, well, I'm going to tithe after taxes. Well, then you aren't giving God the first 10%. You're giving the government theirs first, and so you're giving God what's left over. And so if you want to to tithe in a God-honoring way, it's off the top before taxes. You know, what a a real tithe is, is we say, all right, you know, when we get paid, we say, all right, God, this is what you blessed me with. And before I do anything else, You know, if you've uh, been through Dave Ramsey, you know on his budget, the very first thing is your tithe. Before you do anything else, before you pay taxes, before you pay bills, before you save, before you invest, God, here's the first 10%. This belongs to you, and you've blessed me with it, and you want it back, and here it is. But let me, let me break this down for you, make it about as simple and easy as I can this morning. If I do need a volunteer, okay, and I promise I'm not going to hurt you, um, I need somebody to uh, bring me a $10 bill, okay? I promise it's going to be all right. It's like, I knew it. They're, they're, they're taking my money right. Does anybody carry cash? Raise your hand if you got a $10 bill this morning, seriously. We've we got to do this really quickly. I need a $10 bill. Come on, come on. Somebody's got a $10 bill. Okay, Edwin, very good. Look at Edwin, he's got a whole wad of cash in there. Okay, okay, stand right there for a second, Edwin, stand right there. Okay, so Edwin just handed me a $10 bill. So let's say if he were giving this morning, again, you're, we're all math geniuses. We're gonna make this so simple here today. So let's say that uh, Edwin was tithing, okay? And so he gives a $10 bill. That would mean that this week he made how much money? Here we go, how much? Okay, $100. Edwin, here we go. So I got a $100 bill for you. That's yours. Okay, so now, so Edwin, 
Edwin. I'm serious. That's Edwin's. Okay, very good. That's yours. You keep it. That's good. So I get your 10. You get the 100. That's a pretty good exchange, right? He's like, thank you, Jesus. Now, how many of you are coming to the second service now? And uh, <laughs> I got my $10 bill. Okay, so, but that's, that's the exchange, right? I mean, so if he, if he made $100, he gives, he gives $10, and now he's supposed to try to learn to live off the $90. That's what it means to tithe. I mean, it's so simple. You know, if God is truly the priority in your life, he gets that before anybody gets anything else. I, I don't wait to see what's left. You know, not doing this, the Bible teaches the principle of that it's stealing from God. To not do this means you're living in a stolen home. You're driving a stolen car. Um, But when you give God the first 10%, you get out from under that, and you open up your life to more blessing from God. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10 says this, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops, then your barns will be filled to overflowing, and your vats will run over with new wine. Maybe you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I want to do that, but I think I'm going to wait until I'm financially secure before I begin to tithe. No, you won't. No, you won't. Let me tell you something. It's a lot easier to tithe on $100 than it is to tithe on $100,000. It's a lot easier to tithe on $500 than it is to tithe on a half a million. And if you don't start now, if you don't make it a habit now, you're not going to honor God later on. And I hear people say all the time, oh man, if I, if I won the lottery, boy, I'd really give to the church. I'm like, no, you won't. Because you're not doing it now. Now, if you are doing it now, then you will later. You will. You know, maybe, maybe you've been giving, but you haven't stepped up to this level of obedience where you're saying, I'm going to honor God. I want to challenge you to do this. You know, here at Coastal, regularly, I, we do this in our membership class. We, I, we do this periodically. I'll say, you know, test God. Test him. Sign up for the, you know, four-month tithe challenge. You know, I'm going to tithe for four months, and I've said this a, a, a lot here at Coastal. If you tithe for four months off your, your gross income, and somehow, some way, your heart is not drawn closer to God, closer to the church, and he doesn't somehow bless you, we will give your money back. Test him. Test him. Stay, you know, and, and you know, sit down as a family and see, figure out where are we now. How much do we give? And take whatever next step you need to take. Number four, step up to generous living. Generous living. Now, you might be saying, whoa, wait a second here, Pastor Chris. What do you mean by step up to generous living? When I tithe, I mean, isn't that generosity? Well, it's good because you're no longer robbing God, but it's not generosity, it's obedience. It is the standard. You see, being obedient is the minimum level of acceptability to God. You know, if you went out to a restaurant today and, you know, you uh, sit down, order a meal, and then at the end of the meal you pay your, your tab, your, your, your bill, and you tip, what's the minimum standard of a tip today? What is it? Okay, I heard like 15, 20%. Okay, so if you give like, you know, 10%, that's, not, that's nothing. That's not even the level of acceptability. It's not even the minimum. You're not being generous. Let me ask you a question. It, it's like expecting a reward for not cheating on your wife, okay? So let, let me ask all the, all the single ladies here today, what are you looking for in a husband? 
Okay, how many of you would say, well, I'm looking for a husband that's not going to cheat on me? Woo, wow, man, that's great. Woo, hopefully your goals, your standards are a little bit higher than that, you know? I mean, after 40 years of marriage, you know, what's the best thing you're going to say about your husband? Well, he never cheated on me, you know? Woo, that's great, you know? Listen, generosity is what you do with the 90%. You know, if you want to be known as generous, ask yourself, what do I do with the 90% that God gives me stewardship of? How do I handle that? God, open my eyes to look around and see, you know, what projects, what needs, what ministries could I, you know, invest in how, that I could be generous in with, you know, the 90%. Jesus accepts the tithe, but he calls us as believers to generosity. An example of that is in Mark 12. It says, Jesus went over to the collection box in the temple and he sat and watched as the crowds came and dropped in their money. You know, people say all the time, well, you know, Jesus doesn't care about what I give. God doesn't care about my finances. Got nothing to do with my spiritual growth. Well, look right here. Here is Jesus, right? Jesus standing at the temple and he's watching what people give. He actually starts making commentary on their spiritual growth based on how much they give. In fact, he goes on to say, many rich people put in large amounts. Then a poor widow came and dropped in two pennies. And he called the disciples to him and he said, I assure you, this widow has given more than all the others have given because they gave a tiny part of their surplus. But as poor as she is, she gave everything that she has. Wow. Notice Jesus's attitude. He doesn't say, you know, oh, Lady, you know, you made a big mistake. You know, here's your two pennies back. You know, you shouldn't have done that. You know, he doesn't do that because he knew she's going to be rewarded by God. She's going to be provided for by God for her sacrificial giving. In fact, Jesus then holds her up as a model of giving. 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, you must each make up your own mind as to how much you should give. Don't give reluctantly. Don't give in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives what? Cheerfully. Underline that word there on your outline. Cheerfully. In fact, in Greek, it's the same word for hilariously. In other words, man, you're just filled with joy. It's, it's, it's an honor. It's, it's, it's a time of worship. Instead of praying, you know, God, help me to do this even though I don't want to, maybe your prayer should be, God, today change my heart because I want to do this with joy. Listen, the good news is, Remember I said at the very beginning, our heart will follow where our money goes. So if you begin by taking next steps obediently, even when you don't feel like it initially, your heart will begin to be transformed and will become more and more like the heart of God. And that obedience quickly turns to generosity and then to joy. And that's what God wants. He rewards generosity. 2 Corinthians 9, 6 says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, but whoever sows generously will reap generously. You know, maybe, maybe this is your next step. You know, maybe you've been tithing. Maybe you need to, you know, look around and say, you know what, what ministry, what opportunities do I have to, to be generous Look at the picture of the generosity ladder one last time. At the top of, uh, is a life of blessing, 
where I'm living out God's desire in this area. At the bottom, I'm living under a curse. I'm living in disobedience. That first level, again, is not giving anything. It's being in complete disobedience. Then you become an initial giver, and you start, at least you're on the pathway now toward obedience. Maybe then you become a regular, systematic giver. Uh, You're not tithing, but you're getting into the habit, and then you move up into the area of complete obedience, where you say, you know what? I'm going to be obedient here. I'm going to trust God. I'm going to put him to the test, and I'm going to give proportionately according to how he has blessed me. And then finally, you move up to the last level, which is sacrificial or generous living, where you give above and beyond. You know, I I know people are many times afraid of, um, you know, big steps. So really the challenge I want to give you today is maybe not necessarily a big step, but your next step. You know, whatever that is for you. And everybody here in this room, we're all different places. You know, and what I want you to do right now is I want you to take a look at this ladder, and I want you to put an X somewhere on the ladder where you are. And you say, when it comes to my giving, this is where I am at. That's just between you and God. You know, but let me ask you a question. What would it look like if you took the next step up the ladder? The next step. You know, if you have never given... You know, what if you decide today to get the offering envelope, you know, to text to give, and you give for the very first time, and you start this habit? Maybe you're here today, and you've already given, you know, once or twice or periodically, but then today you say, you know what my next step really is? I need to start becoming consistent. Maybe you're there. You already give consistent, but you've never tithed. You're not really sure what percentage you're giving. You've never sat down and, you know, taken a look at it. Maybe today you need to to increase your percentage or you need to step out in faith and put God to the test. Or maybe it is to step up to generosity. You know, periodically, I've got people here at this church who are, you know, consistent, faithful, tithing, and even generous givers. They'll come up to me and say, Pastor Chris, you know, is there a project around here that, you know, if it were were fully funded, you'd rather, you'd pull the trigger on it. And I'm like, let me give you a list. I got a list. You know, man, let me talk to you about some things that could happen right now in children's ministry. Yeah, we had the Christmas offering, but you know what? You know, there's a lot of other things that need to happen over there. You know, like, man, people are always talking about the technology that we use here. Like, oh, you know, and and giving me suggestions, you know, do this, do that. I'm going, you know, all that stuff costs money, don't you? You know, maybe that's you, though. You're ready to be a generous giver. You know, again, when it comes to spiritual growth, people are always like, yeah, you know, if you want to grow spiritually, read your Bible, pray, attend church, go to a life group. Sure, yes, yes, all those things. But have you stepped up and gotten a handle on this habit of giving? Because if you would get a handle on this area, you will grow and your heart will be drawn to God in, in, in ways of, uh, that you've never imagined. And God will open up the floodgates of blessing. Listen to me. God can be trusted. He can. You know, everything we have comes from him. And he didn't hold back anything. In fact, he didn't even hold back his one and only son, Jesus, when he died on the cross for you. And if you can sincerely trust God for your salvation, you can trust him in this area. You can trust him in this area. 
What is your next step? You know, on the back of your Connect card today, in fact, the very last uh, next step there says this. Take out your Connect card. I will take the next step in my giving. And then there's just a blank. You know, we're not going to share this with anybody. I'm not going to, you know, post your name. But maybe today, just as an act of uh, obedience and faith and commitment, you check that box and you say, you know what? I'm going to take my next step, whatever that is. Turn that in. God can be trusted. If you can trust him with your salvation, you can trust him in this area. But let me ask you the most important question. It's this. Have you taken that next step? Have you trusted God with your life? Because he exchanged his son's life for yours. You do have a debt that can never be repaid, and that is the debt of your sin. I don't care how good you are. I don't care what you start doing or stop doing. You can even give. But if you've never yet exchanged your sin for Christ's righteousness, you are still lost. And you can give, you can serve, and you can volunteer and be a really good person, but good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people do. And God can be trusted with your salvation. It's as beautiful and yet as simple as a prayer. It's an exchange that you personally have to make. He's already paid for it. He's already taken all the steps necessary, but you've got to take that one next step. It's a step of faith. I'd love for you to take that today. Man, each and every week here at Coastal, we have people who give their life to Christ, change their eternity, change their destiny, change the trajectory of their entire family and their lives. The, the, the ripple effect of that impact is just amazing. And you can begin to experience that today. It takes one step of faith. And I'd like to pray with you today and step you through a prayer. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today I do thank you for your word. And you know what, God, I thank you for just uh, how blessed we really are. Everything. We forget this, God. We're, we're so, we get so busy and so wrapped up in, in all the stuff of life that we forget where it all comes from. And we don't even take time to enjoy what you've given us. We are truly, truly blessed. And God, I thank you for the, the consistent generous, faithful givers here at Coastal. God, we truly couldn't do what we do with, without their faithful giving. They're trusting in you. And it's not me or it's not, you know, it's not something physical. God, it's because they love you. And I'm just thankful for their faithfulness and all the things that we've been able to do because of it. This is such a, such a generous church. But God, I just know that, you know, as we talk about setting people free and, and uh, financial freedom, God, it's not just about paying down our debt so that we can enjoy more of the American dream. It's so that you can change our heart. And so, God, I just know that everybody in this room, everybody, we've all got next, next steps to take. I pray that we would move up this, uh, this ladder of generosity and live under, uh, not a curse, but under your blessing. And Father, I pray that nobody's taken offense to that, but God, they'll take it to heart. And listen, if you're here today and you've not made the most important decision, um, it's the decision of faith. It's the decision of, of forgiveness. Listen, we're all sinners. We're all in need of a Savior. 
And the good news of the gospel is that one has been provided out of great, great love for you. And the only thing that's required, you know, what's that that great verse? For God so loved the world, you, that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him would not perish, would not die, but have eternal life. Pour out your heart to God right here and right now. Say, dear Heavenly Father, God, I know I am a sinner. I am messed up. I have blown it. And I've I've tried in so many ways and things to fill that, that void, that hole in my heart. And today I give up on all that. I do, I lay it all aside. I turn my back away from sin and and uh, self-improvement and all these other things. God, today by faith, I turn toward Jesus. I believe. I believe that he is your son. I believe that he went to the cross to pay for my sin. I believe, God, that he rose from the dead and he is alive. He's the Savior. He's the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And today I ask him to come into my life to forgive me of my sin. And now, God, I just want to follow him. I want to become more and more like you see me now, forgiven, brand new, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I just want to worship you with my life, all of it, every bit. Thank you, God. Thank you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Pastor Chris Rollins of Coastal Community Church. For more information about Coastal or to explore what your next step of faith might look like, check us out online at coastalcommunitychurch.org. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, thanks for listening.